This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, back into it. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, pound 3636. Tom Parkin, Anthony Fury, Peter Tabbins. And uh, Tabbins, you're in the legislature. I mean, this is something that surfaced as a story, uh, I guess, yesterday when uh, your buddy Jim Janu, who's now in charge of Ontario Place, uh, suggested. <laughs> I don't know if Jim would be happy with you calling Yeah, that may be right. You may be I'm right not. about that. My apologies to James. Uh, <laughs> But there's talk uh, of Ontario Place being reimagined. Uh, his suggestion was that it's in dire shape and it needs to be uh, more or less all blowed up. Uh, so w- how do you see it going forward and what kind of development? Would it be a private-public partnership? Private mostly? Probably not if it's Tabins I'm asking. No, but you're right. It, it's a public area. It should be maintained as a public area. And frankly, as far exclusively? as Exclusively? Yeah, why not? We we built it. The public built it. Uh-huh. Well, I think it was Bill Davis, wasn't it, who yeah. put it in place? Yeah. Uh, the IMAX theater is still in good shape. The iPod, the pods are still in good shape. There's a theater there. Um, I think it makes sense to maintain it as a public space, a park, a great waterfront site for people to go and cool but off on a hot If it costs tens of millions of dollars to do this. You know, that's the cost of parks. Oh, okay. So, so you, you think it's a good idea that people can walk publicly down the beach, Woodbine Beach, that's publicly owned. We have all kinds. High Park is a publicly no, owned look, park. There were years ago, uh, I guess John Tory, before he was a mayor, actually was uh, sitting on the board that was recommending how Ontario Place be reimagined or reconfigured. He talked about something like 15% condo development, which implies that it would be in part a private enterprise. Anthony, where do you think Ontario Place ought to go next? You've seen that place these days? I say what we got to do. After this panel wraps, us guys, we get a 2-4, we head over there, we drink it all, and then we light fire to the place. And that, <laughs> that'll just wrap it all up. Because some of it's getting a little dumpy. But I, I, I agree with what Peter's saying that there's still got to be quite a lot of public access and there already is i mean even though the place is a dump people are still going to it for concerts there's a a winter (laughs) festival that they held there and now that you've got all these people living at city place that's the place where they go jogging and where they go and play sports and so forth so it's getting a lot of use it's never going to have like exhibition i mean it's it's a ghost town like 90 percent of the time so it's to be expected i think we can mix it up a little bit though if we want to talk about adding 15 percent of this and 10 percent of that and so forth to to spice up, but you got to watch it because the waterfront, like I used to have a condo not too far from where we are here on the water and they always said, oh, this is going to be the tallest building and then suddenly all these other new tall buildings come up in front of you. So (laughs) I'm a little skeptical about uh, whether or not they'll stick to their pledges. You still want to keep it as that sort of signature land, even if you toss in a couple mid-rises to it. You know, it's funny because uh, the architect of Ontario Place, Everhard Zeidler, told me one time that what he had actually imagined back in the 60s and 70s was like another Venice on the water and housing anywhere from 60 to 70,000 people. But of course, uh, that didn't come to fruition. But do you see a role for private enterprise to play in Ontario Place development going forward, Tom? Well, a private enterprise is going to, whatever gets built there is going to be built by private enterprise. Uh, right now we've no, got... No, but having a controlling interest, like for example, a No, casino. I wouldn't want that. I, no, I, I would definitely not want a casino down there. I, housing. Affordable um, housing. H- housing could be appropriate. <laughs> House, housing could be appropriate, but you know, I'm, you know, like Anthony, I mean, I've seen the city uh, treated badly 
uh, by its own politicians uh, in the way that we've just you know, ruined our, our lakeshore in many ways in the part that we're in uh, right now. Um, it's 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 not what it should be. It's like way below the standard of any good city should. Uh, it's been, in my opinion, a disaster. And um, it's very, very frustrating. So here's this prime piece. And I'd love to be able to say, you know what, that we could, we could share it uh, and say that there could be uh, some places for, for people to live and there can be places for family and entertainment. Uh, and I think ideally that could all happen. I have, uh, based on my lifetime in the city, I have very little um, trust that that's the way it would turn out. Uh, and especially when we got a guy in, in the premier's chair who who's taken this thing over, who's bad-mouthing the facility, yeah. and, and is talking about, you know, has talked in the past about casinos and Ferris wheels. Like, mm. you know, I went down there with my kids. I got three children. We used to go down there all the time. They love a place. Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah. They, we, there was the water slide down there, mm. and they had a great time. They'd go down there all the time on their own when they got a little bit older. And uh, one year they um, invested a fair bit, fixed it all up. It was really terrific. The next year they shut the whole thing down, and there's still a lot of very valuable assets down there, useful buildings. So there's a lot of talk that's going on right now about what a junkyard it is. That is just not true. Uh, it's being uh, mistreated and abused, and, and now it's being uh, uh, now there's a single person board in charge of its fate. That's wrong. This is an asset in the middle of the city, one of the last to remain, mm. and the city is being shut out of it. The mayor is uh, sitting on his hands, as far as I can see, mm. and the people are saying like, what? Do we get a park here? Are we going to have any say about this? All right. Well, so well, it I remains think, to be seen, I, I, but you've opened up the be, discussion. It could be housing yes. there, but I think we have to have an open process before we can discuss any of this. Let me lastly discuss housing. Uh, it has to do with these ghost hotels. Apparently, your friend Joe Cressy came out with a report saying that uh, Airbnb and the like, the short-term rental operations, are killing affordable housing. People can't even get into the rental uh, accommodation any longer. Uh and Airbnb is deriving so much revenue from Toronto. 6,500 housing units in the city have sort of been taken out of the equation because people are renting them, you know, the speculators and so on and so forth. So uh, there has been something that I guess uh, was put into effect, the city council passed, but it's being contested in court now by operators like Airbnb. Do you think ghost hotels should be banned from Toronto, Anthony? No, it's a supply and demand issue, John. I mean, clearly there's a lot of people coming to Toronto to do business and see the shows and they're they're wanting the units. So I guess we need to, to your point, build 70,000 units at Ontario Place to, uh, to to equalize all of this. I like it. Mm. You're bringing it all back home. Quickly around the horn. Tabins, <laughs> yeah. ghost hotels. No, any- I, I think you have to protect housing for people so that we have people living in the city, that we don't have just one vast hotel uh, in the downtown. We have to have them live with people who live in the city. So I think you have to look at the limits to that, and you have to protect that that rental housing, that residential housing, so that you have the workforce to work. So you would uh, ban... Uh, short-term rental operators like Airbnb, even I, I even had, in no, private I domiciles. I didn't say that. Well, what are you saying? Why someone, and maybe someday will be me, needs to look at the question and say, what's a reasonable allocation? Because the conversion of a unit to a full-time, year-round rental situation for short-term is bad news for us. If people go away for three weeks and they want to rent their home while they're gone... If it doesn't conflict with their tenant, their neighbors, then I don't see a problem with that. But if you're converting all of the housing that we need in the downtown into Airbnb, then you have a huge social and economic problem.
All right. Well, I'm sorry. He stole your time, Tom. That's uh, take it up fine. with Ted. Well. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it on that note. Uh, still to be discussed further, I'm sure, in the days ahead. Peter Tabbins, Anthony Fury, Tom Parkin. Much appreciated. You're coming in this Wednesday afternoon. Thank you for it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on demand audio. 